my spidey senses tingling. Hello. Han Solo. Chewbacca. Luke Skywalker. At Slim. It's the Star Wars episode. It's the Paper Keg Podcast. It's episode 104. Welcome to uh, the show where we talk industry news, paperkeg.com. Check us out. And we talk about books that we read this week. You know, we're, we're friends for life. But we also do a book club. Dark Horse Comics. You heard of them? Star Wars Dark Empire. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, you know, you're you're tuning into a comic podcast, and for the first time, you're not going to want to kill yourself ever during a comic podcast. Uh, let's go around the room and introduce the hosts. He is looking glum this evening. He is without his patented sugar-free Coca-Cola product. Show sponsor. Can't we can't name him. He might owe some money. He's a writer. He is Jonesy Loves Beer. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, I will never drink a caffeinated soda pop beverage on the air again. Uh, unless it's in a bathtub, which I plan to drop a plugged in toaster in. <laughs> and that's my last request. <laughs> Thanks for having me, the Paper Cake Podcast. Not only that, but Jonesy's a fanfic aficionado. So this is a really, this is a prime rib episode with Star Wars. That's like fanfic cocaine. I'm right? pretty oh, sure yeah. the comic we read was bona fide fanfic. <laughs> Save it. Save it for the show. Uh, one other host with the most. He is a Twitter celeb. No doubt about it. In my mind, he he's a podcast bad boy. Look at him. He's, also, he's like he has like the cape on, and he's ready to throw it off himself. No, so that's my yellow sleep shirt. That's not a cape. And I also that is have a, the alleged sleep shirt. I also have a pair of my wife's socks on under my slippers. Uh, we have to do whites, white laundry. VP of Merch, Dale underscore A, Wife Socks. Thanks for coming back. Uh, it's good to be back. Thank you. It's been, what, we've maybe gotten a couple hours sleep since episode 103, and we're back. It feels like I just hit export on GarageBand <laughs> for episode 103, and we're back at it. We can't stop, Dale. This show, this show Won't will stop. be live to your podcast seven days from now. I want to tease something right now in the beginning of the show. What? Something. What? Huge. Something huge, as they say on the streets. You know. Uh, yeah. We 
we did something last year that was magical to our long-term fans, long-time and term fans. And uh, something's, something's brewing. And it tastes delicious. Mm. Stay tanned. Stay tanned. Uh, what's happening in the world of news, Dale? What's 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 coming up? DC Comics going down in the toilet. No breaking. Paul Jenkins, uh, Kickstarterer to the stars. Oft delayed shipping your Kickstarter rewards is now not only delaying your Kickstarter rewards, he's bad-mouthing DC Comics and Marvel Comics. Oh, my. DC more so saying that the editors are bullying the creative teams and all they care about is uh, going into some sort of character maintenance mode and not caring about the creators writing the characters. So he will be exclusively writing for Boom Studios for the foreseeable future. My only advice to him is, you know, if you choose the right fanfic, you can really just write whatever you want. No editorial at all, written down your neck. And that's you can maybe post it free. Maybe post you get his ear and start talking about some, you know, some yeah. huge team up in the fanfic. Universe. You got his beeper number, Gen Z. You should exchange beepers, <laughs> and Don't you guys can chat. I'll post it to a Usenet group. <laughs> How on earth do you even Technology know what a Usenet, Usenet group is? You just watched Hackers and or The Net recently. <laughs> no, I just watched uh, Mission Impossible, uh, the first one, where he I'll... goes into the uh, Bible using oh, that group. Oh, yeah. Although it is... Joe 314. It's fitting that J- Jonesy's only knowledge of technology is a 25-year-old piece of technology. <laughs> and that's how he turns retro. In. I was being ironic no, when I said were, it. You were not, you son of a gun. <laughs> Combination well, Jonesy, three, what, one, Jonesy, what are you reading at DC Comics right now? God, no. shoot a straight, Nothing. Jonesy, Jonesy sigh. That is Nothing. three drinks, Jonesy just sigh. I just, I was on Snyder's Batman, but after death of the family, I didn't pick up another issue. And the only thing I read recently was the um, Jeff Johns Green Lantern uh, issue twenty grand finale, because you guys talked so highly of it uh, two weeks ago. You so. haven't read a Batman issue since Death of the Family? Yeah. Wow. I fell off the Snyder train. Breaking news. Mm, man. Not that I don't love the maestro, Scott Snyder. It's just a uh, core of the owls, that whole thing. I prefer to read it in one sitting. So I'm kind of laying off, and I'll probably you know download 10 issues at a clip and just sit down and read them all. Did you read The Wake that he did? No. Do you know what that is? I know what a wake is. <laughs> I don't know what the wake is. Uh, Check your used Jonesy loves beer. Uh, scowling the Usenet groups for information <laughs> on the Maestro. <laughs> the Wake is a Vertigo title he did with uh, the guy that drew Punk Rock Jesus. It's like a what's the what's the elevator pitch? What's the premise? Uh, woman agrees to some kind of government funded project. Uh, some kind of dark secret. They're hiding underwater. But what is this dark secret, Gen Z? I don't know. I now kind of want to read it. Vertigo. Check it out, babe. It's pretty good. The colors, uh, I mean, they're nothing quite like Dark Empire Star Wars, which we'll be reading in our book club, but uh, they're pretty dynamite. They're very retro. They're very like a 70s 
Um, do you ever read the book Aphrodisiac? No. It sounds 70s. It does. It's very 70s. It sounds like Aeon Flux. Aphrodisiac. Because he's watching uh, M2 late at night. (laughs) That and the Max, (laughs) you know. Hey, you know what I just watched recently was the Spawn animated series on YouTube. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So good. Oh, yeah. Clipping that out, making that an alarm that just repeats over and over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make that publicly available. I'm going to make a mint. Little known trivia, the voice of Spawn is also the voice of Goliath from Gargoyles. I'm going to stop you right there. That is not little known. I think everyone knows that. I think it's everybody wa- <laughs> why everybody watched the show. They're high-fiving each other when they heard it for the first time. All right, I'm going to give Jonesy a break. I've been hammering pretty hard. I haven't yeah. been letting up as he takes a swig I, I of had that. To, uh, I had to lift the no-drinking rule. <laughs> yeah, something bad. Something bad is brewing in that Jones household, everybody. <laughs> He's leaning on his uh, mic stand like it's a little pillow. He's barely hanging on right now. Do uh, yeah. Do we want to get into the comic talk right now? Jonesy loves beer. You want to start us off? Yeah, I want to talk about um, a book. I it's I'm a little late on hopping on the train, but I really enjoy it. And that's the mm-hmm. uh, the Dark Tower, the Gunslinger. You know they um, mm-hmm. they put out what publisher is? It? Hang on a second. It's Marvel. Uh, it is Marvel. They put out a book called The Gunslinger Born that I really enjoyed. Did you guys ever read the Stephen King Dark Tower novels? I've Negative. heard good things yeah. and to pick them up, but I have not. They're, I mean, it's. I believe it's seven books. It's it's a long read. I actually, in truth, have only read the first two. But the first Spoilers. book, uh, The Gunslinger, uh, is like one of the best quasi-sci-fi fantasy novels I've ever read. Wow. No, from only reading Stephen King and his horror genre to read this kind of sci-fi fantasy horror was like something that I I hadn't been exposed to before. So when I heard about the comic coming out, I was pretty excited about the whole backstory of the world of the Dark Tower. I mean, he describes it in the books as like a world where time has passed it by. Like it's it's been, you know, hundreds of years since any kind of apocalypse, it's just kind of world that's just struggling to exist. And um, the main character, the gunslinger, is kind of like a parallel to Arthurian legend. In like this world, there was an Excalibur that was a sword, and they melted down Excalibur and they made two revolvers, like two cults. And that's the Excalibur that he carries, and he's kind of like comes from a long line of this world's Camelot, but instead of knights, it's all like old West gunslingers. And they kind of interact with these, uh, these tribes of men that are in this forgotten world. And this is, uh, this story actually takes place during their first novel. And it's kind of like a flashback, uh, of when the gunslinger chases the man in black across the desert. And he kind of stops for the night and he has this, uh, this dream. That's a remembrance of this, events that happened when he was still in like their version of Camelot and when he, you know, attacked uh, a neighboring tribe and all about how, you know, the trouble that his young group is getting into. I mean, it's all, the first issue is uh, not very mytho- uh, mythology heavy. I mean, this is me just adding a lot of backstory for uh, mm-hmm. to make sense of it. But uh, it is action packed and it is the colors on this are fantastic too. 
have an environment which is basically just the desert and all like I would think like Utah or like Red Rocks kind of scenery and to make it look great along with like the pale blue cowboy shirts and the red neckerchiefs and you know the brown chaps and all that it it looks really greatly put together so if you have a chance if you ever read the novels I'm sure you're going to enjoy this but if you haven't read them I think there's something there for a reader too to pick up and enjoy so would I, get, would I get more out of it if I listen to you two live at Red Rocks at the same time as reading definitely but only <laughs> the Dave Matthews um, oh, live no. concert anybody oh, else it just no. wouldn't make sense Dave Matthews huh? in fact Slim you like to uh, to read comics only when listening to music <laughs> you know, track 11 say goodbye live at Red Rocks oh, I mean it might God. take you to a whole new yeah. place but quite enjoyable. I, I recommend picking it up. The um, How many novels are there for that series? I think it is seven, but I know that like uh, his short stories and a lot of other works reference the Dark Tower. Um, like if you guys, do you guys ever read The Stand? I tried once. Or ever, have you ever, did you see the TV movie? Yeah, the guy mm-hmm. uh, had like a mullet. Yeah, Randall Flagg is the guy and he appears in a lot of Stephen King's works, like The Langoliers, uh, The Stand, The Dark Tower. And he's like this uh, just ever-present evil that's in all of his novels and got to uh, tie them all together. Hmm. And he's the man in black in this in The Gunslinger. So it, it's really neat. I mean, Stephen King knows how to tell you know weave a story. I remember The Langoliers being like a 10-hour TV movie on USA Network almost every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I think it was just a dedicated channel for a while, (laughs) USA Langoliers Network. And there was one thing that movie did, and it pretty much all took place in that airplane, and everyone went and lost their minds in the airplane. I lost my mind watching that TV movie on that airplane because it was so, ugh. Uh, cousin Larry uh, put that toaster in that blanket. <laughs> totally killed that guy. <laughs> cousin, cousin Larry. Was, I cousin was, Larry. I thought. Oh, I thought it was Balky. Or the other guy. Balky, Balky did it. Yeah. Yeah. Balky Botox. Bronson Pinchot. Like put that in your IMDb trivia gargoyles pipe and smoke it. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. I read. Uh, I'm gonna blow your mind right now. GI Joe from IDW. What? I read the first issue way back when, I guess four months ago. I loved it. I loved the first issue. That Fred Van Lenty cat. Yeah, does good work. He uh, he did like a you know reimagining of the Joes, kind of like a public farce, where they brought out these guys and they needed the court of public opinion, so they gave them all code names and made them all lovable. Um. So this one is they kind of they're in a town that is being overrun with cobra supporters. Cobra are like the I don't want to give them uh I don't want to rope them in with uh those lovable conservatives, but they're like a, they're like US extremists, but they're not too kooky that you wouldn't, you know, be surprised that your libertarian friends are locked up with them. You know, like my libertarian yeah. friend Pat could easily be a member of Cobra, and I in this in this universe. Uh, this just in: Dog Teeth is actually tweeting live from Cobra headquarters. <laughs> Dog Teeth, <laughs> Dog Teeth, and his retweets of Doom 
good lord, Dog Teeth can <laughs> yeah. retweet your face. You, he will retweet to the point where you want to throw your phone into moving traffic. Or you try to mute just as retweets, and then he figures it out, and then he quotes all tweets ever after. And then he does after. old school retweets, and then you have to mute RT at Dog Teeth so they don't show up. Anywho, this issue is uh, Duke getting interrogated by Dr. Mindbender and um, Baroness. Um, trying to get the all safe code from him so that in this town they'll send in all the unprepared G.I. Joes and destroy them, like just murder them outright. Uh, so they put him in this kind of really cool, almost sleep deprivation scenario where they're putting him through various life events that he's had, but inserting Cobra into it to try to get him to, to read the codes. So there's like... Um, there's moments where he's training in the military and it just looks like a regular flashback. But then at one moment, one of the guys in the camp is like, all right, now give us, give us the all, all clear codes, Duke. And he's like, well, this is really weird. Why did you just, just ask me that? And they, they flash back and they're like, God, we can't break him. So there's this one really cool story at the end um, where he's going out with this chick and she's also in the military and they're at a bad time in their relationship where she asked for a transfer to where he was going and he denied it. And eventually you see that he had a hand in denying it. He didn't want her to go with him. So they meet up a few, it felt like a few years later where he's kind of training in Iraq and training the Iraqi people as a drill sergeant. And he reveals to her that, um, you know, he's unfa he's like, he cannot be phased in a war scenario but her presence makes his heart skip a beat and it makes him vulnerable. So he didn't cancel her transfer for her sake. He canceled it for his sake. He knew he was vulnerable in the battlefield due to her. So during this kind of conversation, their tank gets hit and she has like brain trauma. So she'll be a vegetable for the rest of her life. So, at that point, he's wheeling her in this hospital area with a doctor, and she's like, well, she's going to be a vegetable. But there's one chance that we can save her. But it involves opening up some of her memories and overwriting others. So she can come out of it, but she won't remember who you are. So just give us the all-clear codes. And like at oh, that point, I was wow. like, wow, I, I had no idea that that was going to be another foe scenario. So he gives a code to them and they think they've got it but there's an awesome twist i i love this book this is a lot of fun i mean that issue was pretty there were some moments where during the conversation with the woman his his ex i thought it was like super hokey and then at the end it was revealed that it was a a scenario that they're trying to get information from i thought it was spectacular wow should read it is this woman also possibly the baroness i thought it was going to be the baroness at the end but then when it was revealed that the, the idea of her coming out was um, Mindbender tricking him. It negated me thinking she was Baroness. Baroness is, like, super white, but uh, this ex was, like, I don't know, Guatemalan, I think. Polynesian? They didn't, they didn't say what nationality she was. <laughs> I mean, she referred to herself as exotic. Like, uh, I'm just an exotic fling for you. Like, Polynesian. Polynesian. <laughs> Man, I cannot wait until I get that sounder of Jonesy groaning. I'm just going to be hitting that all show when Jonesy makes these comments. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Eh. 
Dale underscore A. What about you? What about you, B? Breath of Bones, A Tale of the Golem. Mm. This is a uh, a three-issue miniseries. Steve Niles, Dave Wachter, Dark Horse Comics. It is a, a period piece set in World War II, and it is... Uh, Set the setting is a uh, a small European village, and the Germans are slowly but surely making their way across the landscape. And you know they pretty much know sooner or later the Germans will be invading their their village as just on their march towards you know supposed victory. And the village is so small that all basically all the the men fit enough to fight are drafted into the army. And it, the story is kind of focuses around this small boy, Noah, who is living now with his grandparents and they're keeping up with the times with the, you know, through the paper and stuff. And they're super paranoid that the Germans are going to be there any minute. And the, uh, a British, pilot crash lands right outside of the village and they're kind of paranoid because the smoke and the fire as soon as they find the down plane here you know the germans are going to be coming marching on their village so they're trying to put out the fire and get rid of the downed plane and the british soldiers sort of pleading with them to let them stay until he heals and it's the best chance he has to be found you know by his own people so they have a sense of dread that any moment now uh, their village will be overrun. So Grandfather takes Noah down into the basement and kind of unearths this chest that when when he opens it, he says, I've, I got this from my grandfather who got it from his grandfather who got it from his grandfather. And at the end, he pulls out this, you know, it's a, like a little clay figure of a golem. And then the, then the story ends. And what's implied is the cover is shows a huge like come to life golem, you know, beating up Nazis. So I I looked into a um, an interview by Steve Niles on one of the one of the websites, and he said he's sort of fascinated with the the horror aspect of a golem because it's sort of like Frankenstein's monster, but it's not it's not come to life by science it's by faith and a lot of it, a lot of the times it's painted in a picture that the golem could kind of get out of control because it's kind of like a parallel to you know what a man of a person who may have faith is kind of putting their faith in this golem that's not god and it's almost like they're being they get end up being punished for trying to you know put their faith in this thing, but none of that has happened yet. But it sets up a a nice story. Two more issues left, and it, I th- it was very 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 well done. It was beautiful, black and white, and it's like a lot of brush brush strokey. I'm trying to think of the um, comparison in art, but it it was really nice, really nicely done. I look forward to the next two issues. Did you read this for fear of creator-run reprisal in your vehicle, perhaps a potato in your tailpipe? 
<laughs> and I, I never, I never want to be at the, the mercy, of his, you know, pipe wrench over top of me, or you know, an Arlington Road situation where he's like living down the street from me, but he's really like building devices in his basement. Uh, he's the Tanya Harding to your Nancy <laughs> Kerrigan. You know, I saw him at Chicago Comic Con, and he was wearing a suit like that Ben Templesmith cat. Thick as thieves, those guys. Yeah, I think I should start wearing a suit to Comic Cons. Oh, jeez. Here we go. <laughs> Jonesy loves beer, everybody. Rick, uh, Rick Remender will be shaking your hand oh soon enough. Oh, man. Woo-wee. How about Captain America? Did you read that last issue of Cap that he did? I think I did. Um I, yeah, yeah, I definitely did. I'm probably just going to openly weep at the end of this arc, whatever happens to him and his son. Uh, I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. I, I can't think of a good scenario that Neither. happens where I'm not you know, we, openly crying at the end. Neither last can issue. I. I just picture the whole thing being in Dimension Z. I mean, now possibly they might make it to the Earth. real world. Oh, yeah. man. But where, this, where's this E and fit into everything? Ah. How about the um, they announced the next artist for Cap? Did you see that? Carlos Pacheco with uh, Dean White colors, oh, though. Oh, yeah. I saw Remender tweeted that, didn't he? I like the I like the picture. I like the art. I was surprised. Yeah, it was different, but wasn't didn't you link something to where basically JRJR's not fully illustrating the book? Is he just doing like breakdowns or something? He at this did. Point? Well, the last two issues have been weird. He we had um, um, Klaus Jansen doing ink, inks for some, but then someone else doing inks. So in like my head, I could tell what were. Klaus Jansen JRJR pages and what weren't like you could yeah. I don't know what I don't know how it was it was like less gritty but Mark Millar mentioned I think before Pacheco was announced that uh, JRJR will be taking over full time art duties I think on Kickass three or four uh, okay so that was kind of like a heads up that something was going on with Cap because he would never have had time to do both he's trying kind of to stick bummer. it to, to Marvel and Cap fans. Mark Millar, businessman mm-hmm. to the stars. <laughs> uh, lightning round. Two sentences or less. Jonesy loves beer. Uh, two sentences or less. Another book you read, please. Ten grand. Issue number two. Ben Templesmith is just doing some crazy good breakdowns. Some awesome supernatural models you just haven't seen anywhere else. JMS is also associated with this book. <laughs> Last call from Oni Press. Two young lads uh, looking for a good time stumble upon a ghost train. There's a murder. One friend is lost. And the art is Becky Clunin on steroids you heard me it's good avenging spider-man number 20 and 21 that scene where chameleon said he was going to cut off somebody's face and wear it like a mask i wish i could photoshop jonesy's head on that panel (laughs) 
Star Wars Dark Empire. The year 1994, Jonesy. Dark Wars Comics. 1991, Jonesy Loves Beer. (laughs) What is happening with uh, Star Wars Dark Empire? Six years after the Battle at Endor, the Empire has fallen. Or has it? The Galactic Empire and the Rebel Alliance are still in the midst of a war for control with many worlds joining one or other other side of the force forces, not the force that it's famous for. Uh regardless, you know, the uh the Rebel Alliance has captured some Star Destroyers and it's out to liberate worlds, babe. Uh Luke Skywalker is uh still part of the Rebel Alliance and he's at the Imperial homeworld when he gets kidnapped and taken to a world called Bis. And there he finds out that the Emperor is not dead, mind blown. That he can transfer himself to his clones. A rescue mission is undertook by Han Solo and Princess Leia who are married to got a couple kids going on. They still got the Millennium Falcon and they are out to save his life. But does Luke want to be saved? Does he want to join the Emperor as a new Sith Lord? And can they bring him back from the edge of the Force? (laughs) Star Wars Dark Empire. My word. What a synopsis. It's a good one. I I I got tripped up when I had to say Force so many times. I felt like I was on Bis. Well, you're reading that. <laughs> I, l- I love that the name of that planet is Bis. I think that could be the greatest name for a planet ever. Just Bis. It's good. Not Sp- Abyss. Yeah, it's yeah, like just Abyss, Bis. but Bis. Oh, man. Uh, God. How about, uh, let's just get into it. Where do we start? This, where do we go? Let's go. I don't, where do we start? I mean, every, it felt like I was reading a very 60s comic where almost every sentence ended in an exclamation point. Like Stan Lee wrote it. Like It's like Stan Lee Ghost wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to envision this as the next movie, like after Return of the Jedi, in terms of pacing and. But there was it felt like there was like not a lot of story there at all. Not a lot happened from where they find Luke. He gets kidnapped. Yeah, and they go back for him. Yeah, that's he, that's he, it. He leaves, or he gets sucked sucked up by this new force of evil that has popped up out of nowhere and he just accepts it and he's like, leave me, I'm going to go in it. And Han, and there was a lot of Leia disagreeing with everybody in the first three issues, it felt like. Nobody was listening to her. But then there's like these new machines that are sucking up planets and I felt like that happened in issue one and then wasn't even really, and nothing happened with that until issue six. Like those those Earth yeah. Eater Galactic. Oh yeah, this huge things. things. Yeah. So they had the to find the codes, and Luke gives them the codes to prove that he's still a good guy, and they use them, and they're pretty much well. Well, these are useless. They're still on. <laughs> they're just not moving anywhere. I I mean, do we even need the World Devastators at this point to be a viable threat? Isn't the fact that the Emperor is still alive? Right, threat enough. Yeah. Did we need little Death Stars running around? I don't know. I don't think we did. 
Dale, what did you think? I did the same thing you did, Slim, and I tried to envision it as a movie event. And in that sense, a lot of the goofy and or non-explanations of what was going on in the Force kind of made sense because... The you know the force is almost inexplainable in the the movie trilogy. It they it, it fits the needs of what they needed to do at the time. They needed something to happen with the force. So you know there was like little monologue or descriptors of uh, you know Luke is so engrossed by the darkness, but he knows he's just in it to, like he's infiltrating the dark side of the force because he, the emperor and he knows that's the only way he can kill the emperor that so so how did the like at first i wasn't sure if he was really being controlled by the force or he was undercover and i even read this already before um but then he like out loud talks to leia later on he's like i'm doing this on purpose and yeah. in my head i was like can't the emperor just read your thoughts right now? How right. does the emperor not just see through you like well, you're nothing? At some point, the emperor's like, "I know you're trying to trick me, but jokes on you because the dark side can beat tricks." Yeah, he did. Like, say I that. think he addresses that in <laughs> that the final an exact issue. quote. I th- I mean, I'm paraphrasing right oh, okay. now, but that conversation happened. So, I, so uh, Palpatine, you know, Darth, whatever the uh, the emperor takes him under his wing and pretends there's this whole fake relationship of this, you know, Darth and two sit to always two there must be. But then he, they both know that they're playing each other, but then he really wants Luke to find the dark side and kill his sister at the end. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Jones, Jonesy Jones. I, there's a side drink three times and then go talk to a counselor. Um, <laughs> He's finishing but, our <laughs> finishing our jokes for us. Doesn't even need us anymore. <laughs> this it seemed to me like at this point, nineteen ninety one, they were under the assumption there would be no more movie properties. So they were like, We need to make money off of this license that we have. Yeah. So use all the great characters from Jedi and make a new story. And the writer was like, well, like, ha- I mean, what do you want me to do? Is, is Lucas in on this? And they're like, I don't know. The Emperor comes back and maybe Leia's a Jedi too. And that's all the direction he got. And then this is what we got out of it. It just, it doesn't seem to go much of anywhere. The plot conveniences are just that. They're absolutely convenient. Like, we know that Leia is going to need a lightsaber to battle Luke at the end to make it, you know, movie-like and climactic. So she happens to find the only living Jedi in the whole galaxy who happens to just give her a lightsaber because she's going to need it three issues later. She's like squatting outside of Han Solo's old cave (laughs) on the the hut planet. Let me just wait here just in case a a new Jedi is going to roll by and I can hook her up with a lightsaber. So there were just moments like that or moments where Han Solo would switch between being like, this stoic, charismatic leader to, like, this total ham and like, the very next page. Um, I did like the fact they were kind of going into Han's, like, smuggler backstory and talking about, like, his life before he was in the yeah. Rebel Alliance. But whereas they could have got a lot more meaty story out of that, they chose to just keep it about the Force. And even that felt cheap because, you know, I think the ending was like, 
you know, his dark side is so strong, but even he can't beat the power of two people yeah. who are friends and love each other, and the power of love will defeat the emperor. And I was like, what am I reading? I think the the exact line was like, these twin Jedi, <laughs> these these Jedi twins, <laughs> there's no match or something like <laughs> the way it described I, it. And the art is mu- so much more dark and ominous than the story they're telling. Like every time a lightsaber was drawn or they did that thing where they were in the light of hyperspace or the light of, uh, you know, some kind of sirens or something that's like a fortress that has great shadow and the characters are all kind of drawn in one tone and there's like some incredible action going on. If they had just taken the words out and you had to, like, fill in your own story, it would have been a million times better. Hmm. It was um, it was kind of neat that, you know, thinking back in 1991, there's no new Star Wars anything probably on the horizon, any, you know, post-Jedi stuff. So the, the, the writer got all the characters in, like Boba Fett reappears for his useless role in the <laughs> book, and... Apparently, this was his first. This I, I looked up the the wiki because I was super interested. Because I think I said a few times I I, re- I read those Jedi Academy books front to back, like as soon as I got my hands on them. Mm-hmm. So they, it said that this was the first work after what is it the Thrawn trilogy, like that was like the popular expanded universe in Star Wars, uh-huh. and this comic was the first appearance of Boba Fett in the expanded universe, like, since Jedi. Oh, so this was the big reveal where people find out he was still alive. Correct, yeah. Wow. And then after this, I think the Jedi Academy books start. So Luke goes off. Well, actually, there's Dark Empire 2, which the Emperor, spoiler, apparently is still alive at the end of this. And he's <laughs> I, How that's possible, like I don't Jones know. It's like 2 and 3. Even though they said there was no more clones left, there was. And he had the last living clone that he went into after this. And <laughs> which, uh, which totally... Now, I don't know anything about the Expanded Universe books or anything, but this that totally feels like that um, the ability was made up for the Dark Empire. Like this, this, oh, totally. The Emperor mm-hmm. was just like, I don't know if you knew this about me, but I don't die. I can transfer into your body if I wanted, but I, right now I'm getting... A hundred clones of myself made, and I'm yeah. going to be able to. I don't know if forever. you knew this, but there's another trick that I didn't teach you. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I can do this that also. you won't find on that encyclopedia cube that I told you about <laughs> at the end. Yeah, the holocron. Yeah, that contained everything you needed to beat me. That I just happened to leave in this convenient cube. Right. And give it to one of my enemies <laughs> because I, I'm so confident. That I parade around to all of my guests. <laughs> I put it right in your hands and you join the dark side because of the gifts I give. And then he looks so bamboozled once she steals it. <laughs> like, ah, 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 did she take it? Yeah, that was like an emotion that you would never want to see from the emperor. Like, he was just <laughs> totally, like, dumbstruck that something happened <laughs> and he was ready to just poo himself. And then, like, the cloak. next page they refer to him as a master strategist, <laughs> the emperor. <laughs> It was like the Benny Hill music should start playing when he's <laughs> running around his music looking for the cube. Yakety sax. Yeah, all over his, all over Biss. Hallways and doorways of Biss. The hallways of Biss. The, um, 
I looked up a f- like I I remember reading. I think I I stopped reading after the twins were kind of grown up, but Dark Empire two or three um, involve him coming back and eventually dying and getting into Anakin's body, their third child. Um, Get the, out the of solo chi- uh, children, oh. but there was a Jedi that like gave its life to get him out of there but the, I like I'm reading more about the expanded universe is so interesting to me because I used to read that but then you see like the Jason is the male of the as the solo twins like the twins grow up and it's like Jason and Caden or something silly so they're like Skywalker Jaina, they're I like a, a guy and a girl and I th- I'm almost positive that the male grows up to become a Darth character like Darth Sadus or something so I like want to say you're right too, and I think I I'm not sure where I dropped off. Sigh, everybody die. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I think I stopped reading when they came up with the concept of gray Jedi, like Jedi that weren't weren't Jedi and they weren't the dark side. They were kind of a smorgasbord of both. Mm-hmm. You remember that? No, I don't remember. I, th- that. I think I thought that concept was so ridiculous. That I, I jumped off. But those got, early books probably got really gritty and sold a bunch, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I there loved... There some great... Oh, oh sorry. sorry. I was going to say, I love the Kevin J. Anderson books, but Mandy Boo is like a Star Trek literal historian. Wars. And she hate, she says that the Kevin J. Anderson books are reviled in the Star Wars community. Like I think he's she like just the Greg closed Land. her laptop and broke it over her knee after she heard you say that. But she, yeah, she says that like they're trash. Even though I, I think I read one of them in one day during the summer when I was younger. It was, wow. it was so great. But some of the early books where they just teach like morality plays, hmm. and they just have little adventures on Yavin where they're building lightsabers or finding yeah. Tie fighters crashed in the forest, and so great. Like, those are great little like self-contained stories. Yeah, I wanted. I I was so enthralled by Jedi when I was younger that I just any kind of I mean, I remember multiple p- parts of those books where it was just like delving into the psyche of Luke Skywalker as a Jedi and using the Jedi powers, and I just ate that stuff up. I'm one. Like, I just looked it up on iBooks, and it's eight bucks. I, I really want to go back and read it and see what I think of it now. There you go. Wow. The um, Papercake One Hundred Five, everybody. The big, the one of the big ones I remember was tomorrow. there was a book that took place in between Empire and Jedi. Do you remember that, Jonesy? And the villain yeah, had, like... Yeah, Shadows of the Empire. He had, like, pheromone powers. Yeah, he tried to control Leia, and there was that cat, Dash, Dash Rendar. Dash Rendar, was, ooh, Who yeah. was kind of filling in the role of hand since he was frozen in carbonite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, had so his, I had his action figure in his ship. Uh, what is... Uh, points if I can name, remember the ship... <laughs> I can't. The 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 I main can't. the the uh the main character or like the building up of like a cool character in Jedi Academy was Kip Duran. Oh, oh yeah, okay. The, he, he went was through a the young training. Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He eventually he turned to the dark side. Spoiler in book two, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think What's Luke. All doing? the Jedi what characters at some point at some point flip succumb to the Jedi or, di- or die somehow <laughs> to the point where they're a Darth blank and then they they turn it over so I mean the dark side is just useless you can just jump in and out whenever you want it's like a pool yeah, yeah. And, and Luke <laughs> dies and comes back dies and comes back like nobody's business yeah like so, every other week he's in a coma at the end of the at the end of this arc obviously like Luke 
really snaps out of it because he realizes he's going to be have to train his nieces and nephews in the ways of the force. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's just you know he's to pat he's just an inside job and he's training them all to join the dark side eventually apparently. <laughs> that was the only thing that I kind of got like I grinned when I at the last page Luke's there smiling and it's like uh you know, we we're going to repopulate the Jedi. I forget what the exact terminology was. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was never a point though when Luke didn't look ominous in this book. Like he always looked like he was ready to just snap your neck if <laughs> yeah. you turned around. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was even if this... he's like trying to convince Leia. Otherwise, yeah, you, you wouldn't. But you wouldn't tell but by his, his eyes solid like colored eyes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wouldn't I'm, want to be I'm here in a, to help you. I wouldn't want to be in a bis alleyway if Luke Skywalker was at the <laughs> other end of it. <laughs> the, but the uh, I do want to talk about the colors. They're it's bonkers. The coloring oh, yeah. in this book is totally bonkers. I felt like like I'm not a colorist. Like I don't know how long it takes to color a page, but I know vaguely that there's something called flattening, where you just throw one color on it, and then you change it, and you throw another color on it, and then you adjust, I think. And I'm sorry if I'm offending any colorists. But these pages look like they took 10 minutes to do. Like he, They put one swatch over there and just worked some gradients. And I actually enjoyed it a lot. I, I like the coloring in this book. It's a wild style, but it, 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 yeah, it works for the most part. It's It really does work. And... It it really looks like somebody just threw the pencils into the paper for iPad app and just like smushed their finger around with the watercolor setting and that's how they colored all six issues. Yeah. But but it really it works. For some reason it works. It's it's bananas like you said, but it really does just work. The first there's, issue there's some, there's some pages that look like they were fully colored. And then you turn the page and there's one that's just all red and light red. Or the next one's green and light green. And then there's like a, up like eight panels of Han Solo fully colored, and then it changes again. The first issue mostly is like at least three-quarters of the pages are one color and a shade of that color, no matter what the conversation is, no matter what the action scene is. And then two through six kind of change a little bit and get better. Hmm. But I was like, what is this? What's happening? The whole page is one color. Every face is one color. The Mon Calamari, Mon Mothma and Calamari, whoever, they're all the same color. Was was it actually Calamari, the planet name? Or was it something yeah. close? Mon Calamari. What are the chances That's what that, it's called. That, that, that dumb character looks like a fish and his planet is called Calamari? <laughs> Just saying George Lucas wasn't as hard a worker as everybody said he was. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I I enjoyed it because it's such a. I feel like it's a time capsule and very interesting point in the Star Wars universe. It's like just it feels like it's. It, 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 to me, it's like a gem, whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad. Right. Um, but I'm fascinated to see what they're gonna do with the new movie. Like, what characters are gonna be the stars? If they're if they're gonna try to involve Luke with a new actor, or if it'll be soon after Jedi ends if the twins are going to be in it. Because, I mean, the entire Star Wars universe has been written with these books. So I wonder if they're going to use any mm-hmm. of this stuff or just it, pretend it didn't happen. I wondered that, too, because this would be this is six years after <clears throat> Return of the Jedi. I wonder if there would be references, because there's, like, big stuff that is happens and or is referenced to. 
like the empire is making its way back and there's almost like dueling empires mm-hmm. and the rebel alliance is like fighting them as a whole but then the empires are fighting each other because they they're i guess they're not quite sure how to rerun things and stuff yeah and the uh i was really i really enjoyed the when han was on the hut planet like all the the desolated uh buildings that used to be populated and now they're just like reaching up into the sky and they're abandoned and han's you know god knows how long han's been away from his cave on <laughs> cave on the hut planet but the place was messy as, yeah as soon as he like breaks in uh, you know boba fett was just there five minutes ago it's Boba been Fett. it's been years and years and years, <laughs> but his little droid's like Boba Fett was just here. <laughs> the little droid falls <laughs> over. Just here. It's been years since I've been back. I remember getting those. Boba Fett eventually had like mini. He had those Dark Horse mini series that I used to snatch up, and those those now remind me of vague precursors to Fear Agent because he was like a bounty hunter and the sort the anti hero s character. I remember reading Star Wars magazines that used to do timelines of characters and they had a timeline of Boba Fett where like first issue where he was without a helmet and they showed his face and that was like, oh my God, they showed Boba (laughs) Fett's face. And like at one point he was like mutilated like Deadpool because of the Sarlacc pit. But at one point he just kind of looked like a a human with a mohawk and some kind of weird earrings. But it was like mind blowing. Like, Oh my god! Like that stuff. I, I'm now. I think about. It, I wonder why I got out of that. That stuff. Like I was the biggest Star Wars nerd ever back then, and now I can't remember why I stopped. Hmm. I wonder if I just got into X Men. Yeah. So hmm. your feelings. Yeah, I'm. I'm there. You know it to be true. <laughs> <laughs> we need to combine our life force to overcome the Emperor. Posi- oh, the power of love energy. can defeat the Emperor. I mean, they did use love to kill the Emperor at the end. <laughs> Because in the yeah. last panel, they just stood there, they held hands, and they used their life force. I remember I looked at the pages. I was, like, skimming, and, and the Emperor died in, like, a sea of red. I mean, there was a huge red pa- palette being used on that page. And I was they actually like, what just is- used the traditional Valentine's heart. And that's and that's exactly one of the examples of what the what's the force? The force does yeah. that because they need the it's force the to be able to do that. It's the power of love. I mean, they probably played that Transformers mu- movie music. At that exact moment, they probably give you the cassette player that you have to, to play that track at. <laughs> you you got to play uh, You Got the Touch. Yeah. <laughs> it would have fit in. The words of Master Yoda. The words of Master Yoda spoken years before on Dagobah <laughs> echo in the minds of these twin Jedi. Does, does, are you the at minds. the page? Dale, how much do I have to pay you to just read the dialogue of this book? <laughs> To like a tape recorder so I can just listen to it in the car as I go to work. We should do like a Dale Audible, Dale Audibles or whatever the, the service <laughs> is called. Dale just reads books. My ally is the force and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it and makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Everybody listening, just close your eyes. Feel and it. And let it take hold of you. Feel it, you must. Feel the flow. Feel the force around you, everywhere, waiting to be felt and used. With the power of luminous beings, brother and sister Jedi press the force around the dark nexus that is Emperor Palpatine. K. 
can you find the poem that the cube <laughs> read to Leia that teased uh, what was going to happen with the twins that walk the sky? Let me see if I can find it before the. Because uh, I, mean, I, I, I I grinned while I, while I read that page. And was that Jedi the one that trained the Emperor? I, I, for some reason, I thought it was, but it, I don't never, think so. No. I don't think the Emperor was ever trained by the Jedi. I don't think. A Jedi. Some Star Wars listener. Mandy Booth probably just already hung probably herself. just like, what an idiot. StarWars.net just shut itself down after listening to this podcast. TheForce.net. <laughs> I mean, I found to start it. A new U- to start a new Usenet group. So first he explains, and this is why he can say this, because the Holocron and the Force are everything in all time. Past history and present action are one. The Force surrounds all time, all doing. And then it breaks into the... uh, A brother and sister born to walk the sky, but reckless brother falls into Darkseid's eye. (laughs) Jedi sister carries hope for future in her womb. Only she can save us from the sky. Only she can save the Skywalkers from certain doom. A Jedi killer wants to tame her. Now the dark side Lord comes to claim her. She must battle, join against this thief, or the dynasty of all the Jedi will come to grief. <laughs> Who knew the Jedi was so great at last word rhyming? I mean, didn't did the did the Emperor not? let this thing read him the poem he he must not have got that far <laughs> every time he was near that point some yeah. stranger walked by and he said hey check out this holocron i want to tell yeah. you all about it <laughs> he probably he probably passed out the night before because they just asked him to read it the night before they were he was supposed to get into it and oh God. passed out midway through uh, guiltkeg.com <laughs> oh, there you have it there dark empire I wonder what the, uh, I wonder what Mandy Boo and the, you know, the Star Wars folks, super fans think about Dark Empire. I'll ask her. Stay tuned. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Uh, letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot us a letter, we might read it on the air live. Next time we'll give you a better heads up of when we're going to be recording the show. Longer than 20 minutes. Jonesy. <laughs> Alright, uh, the first letter up from friend of the show, Tim Gibson. Over at uh, mothcity.com. The subject line Slim roast From a listener (laughs) Slim This sounds like uh, This is like one of those Jedi Haikus I just read (laughs) Slim Master of Malkovichian Timing Maestro of Machiavellian Podcasting Hater of Canucks and herder of Co-hosts he drops consonants like silent snowflakes, silently, a mispronunciation blizzard. The Christian Bale of Paper Keg, a man who runs recording sessions like Jonestown. 
dropping, dropping reverent reviews like Kool-Aid. A man who saves his best material for comicsology, yet somehow still greets guests with exactly the introduction that he gave Dan Goldman. Slim, who pioneered awkward pauses in single-sided conversations and uses the term exclusive to discuss everything from comics to coffee. (laughs) You're faithfully Tim Gibson, written aboard my yacht, Submit, June 12th, 2013. (laughs) T-Gibbs, as they call him on the streets of Biss. Is P.S. Slim, I really love you. This is just uh, a poem to tell you how great you are. Did he say, the as the intro I gave, Tim Gibson or Dan Goldman? Dan Goldman. I wonder what the intro was I gave him. <laughs> now I gotta look, now I gotta listen back. I think I asked him why he lived in a foreign country and why he hated America. I think that was my opening question. I guess he's in uh, New Zealand, too. Who is? Tim Gibson. Pretty sure T. he's from Gibbs? New Zealand. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Slim is a huge following in New Zealand, guys, in case you didn't know. That was a great letter, but what I would really like to know is, does Slim really save his best material for comicsology? I'm kind uh, of... Uh, I don't know if I I have feelings right now. I don't know what I'm feeling. Well, uh, That or the flap, right, guys? Listen, I mean, listen, listen. I'm not sure if you guys realize it's tough recording three comic book podcasts in one week. And you have to work to not have overlapping books for fear of both Dale and Jonesy attempting to string themselves up <laughs> by a ceiling fan, thinking that it's over, <laughs> thinking that paper keg is ending. I have to live with that every day of my life, you, these you, two. It's, it's these two housewives you thinking that paper it. keg is going to end every 15 minutes. <laughs> no, for, for real, I did end the show once, so that's a very real fear for me. I did cancel the show at one point, but that audio has been lost, I think, into the ether. But uh, yeah, it is tough because you have to do a, you have to do a comicsology podcast. You have to talk about books, but I also do paper keg. Yeah, you can't overlap. So I gotta I gotta read a lot of books, guys. This is tough stuff. Reading the, comics for I, a job. You must do it f- f- by osmosis because I don't know <laughs> how you have the time to read so many books. I weasel in. He drinks 12 five-hour energies a day, Dale. I weasel in a lot of comics on that commute, that 30-minute commute. You, know, you must be a comic speed reader, though. I do speed read. Sometimes I skip pages and I just pretend that I'm reading words when I look at you know the, the love, you got the touch scene in Dark Empire. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I, I added you. my own words. And, it's and it fit like, perfectly, obviously, because I just read what you it, just envisioned. It, 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 that is that osmosis that we're talking about. Yeah. God. So we got one more letter. So uh, Comixology gets the Arnold Schwarzenegger Slim, and we get the Danny DeVito Slim. <laughs> we get whatever's left over in the milkshake machine. <laughs> On the fireside, I'm going to play that Dan Gold- Goldman clip. I want to see what I said. <laughs> Hosts, I was very troubled after reading the religious undertones in Secret Invasion. They could really be considered overtones as they were thrust in your face while reading. A true religion with a caring Lord would not institute such suspect actions. Brian Michael Bendis continues to make me regret reading comics in the first place. Jeez, Louise. When is Mark returning? And this is from Jefferson Crispin, returning letter writer. The same writer that uh, 
rode a couple weeks back. Correct. He's back. He doesn't sound too happy with us. I uh, I didn't really catch religious undertones in uh, Secret in Invasion. Secret Invasion. Well, did I just have the blinders on for that? The only thing I can think of is when, um, when they revealed themselves. Didn't they say like, "Oh, he loves, um, he loves, he loves, he loves you. you," but they never even revealed who that person was, right? Maybe they do in a. They a, did. A, oh, a they story did. Line. It was one panel, and it was like, "It's God. It's your. It's the one true God, or something like that." It was definitely implied that it was God for some reason. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you can blame Bendy for that, not us. Yeah, we just Bendy. read them. FYI, Mark is not coming back. Ever. Or is he? <laughs> that, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark's return, uh, Mark's fake return, he's never coming back, it has nothing to do with the announcement that I teased at the top of the show, Jefferson. Or does it? Where's Jefferson from? Does he ever say that in his uh... email? I believe he does not. Uh, I don't think so. He's everywhere. Hmm. You know? Well, thanks for the I, email, Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Probably, yes, not thank gonna you. E- probably not going to email back after that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Brian Michael Bendis is a dear friend of the show. Jonesy loves him. I love him. I do love Bendy. All the existing hosts of Paper Keg love Brian Michael Bendis. His Daredevil run? Ugh. Yeah. Jefferson, Amazing. read Daredevil. Devil. Ah. Jonesy, what oh. issue did, did Brian Michael Bendy start on Daredevil? I don't know the issue number. I know that it started it's with close. the... Uh, it's The collected ed- edition is called Underboss. That's when the... Uh, Paper cake number X one. Fisk um, don't underling... Sells his identity to the uh, tabloids. Started started issue three. Skip one and two, just for my sake. <laughs> the audio issue is issue terrible. number one of Comicsology sounded great. <laughs> <laughs> Special announcement: you get you get Kelly Preston over there. We get the whatever broad Danny DeVito. That's us. <laughs> it's me and Jonesy. Oh God! And Jake the talent. The end of paper Kelly Preston. Final issue. Final episode. <laughs> he's true. I think he's being serious, Jonesy. I will say, I when, so too. whenever Paper Keg ends, I will be hiring some kind of outside firm to sit outside your bedrooms just, just to make sure you guys don't do anything <laughs> drastic. No, you're going to have a 900 hotline set up in yeah. case we need to call in the middle of the night just talk about comic books. I'm going to set up some kind of IP camera system Teen at line. any point, whatever. Teen line, this is not true. <laughs> Uh, next week, Big Naz. Uh, we'll see everybody next week. I'm getting fired. say that the wind in this kitchen is blowing the trash smell towards me and it is wretched i don't know what i'm I'm assuming it's like a maybe three days worth of diapers or something in there
but it's bad news bears right now. We just started uh, Jack on like the level two mixed food. Oh yeah, and uh, it is heinous in that diaper genie. Like if you don't change it every two days, just be prepared to repaint that room every summer. Let me let me tell you something, Jonesy. Wait until that kid is running around having the time of his life in his diaper, and then he sits on your lap, Ugh, and then sweating. you you feel something underneath that diaper, and it's not sweat, Jonesy. I'm sure it it's, is, it's leaked. It you is know what? Leaky what's brown diarrhea all over your legs. Somehow he's gotten it to. on his inner thigh. Welcome to <laughs> fatherhood, ladies. And then you realize you've been rubbing your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic slim. Always touching his forehead, wiping my greasy, flammable face. <laughs> Oh God! Fire can't this co- you can't get this kind of gold on Comixology, <laughs> all right? <laughs> this is the fl- I shouldn't even talk about it. This is for the flap only. That's right. We'll go back and re- take out this audio. Welcome back from the fireside. Uh, huge announcement there, Slim. Right? You know, I just realized I was I texted Dale some kind of idea I had for the Comixology podcast, and he probably tried to drive off the road into a tree <laughs> once I gave it to him. He's like, "This is it. This is it." Self mutilation. <laughs> what was your um, fireside, Jonesy? I had a rebuttal. My fireside? Yeah. You know or, what um, I meant. Your, or my lightning round. Uh, it you was I mean. 10 grand issue two. I thought you didn't like issue one. No, I love the art on issue one. Mm. I just thought it was too Constantine y. Like they told JMS uh, based a comic book on the movie version of Constantine but call it something else and he's you know writing 10 grand or whatever hmm. but Ben Templesmith art is this might be some of his best work whoa I heard it here first hmm. better than Scott Earth One certainly it's a, a high praise I mean one of the greatest Superman books ever written remember when I tried <laughs> to play Devil's Advocate on that book and I believe you told me to just stop. <laughs> I thought you were going to say just die. <laughs> yeah, either went or no. That's just for asking for you guys to record on Tuesday. I'm pretty sure that's uh, going to stroke out later <laughs> over the guilt. What was the wasn't the main antagonist in Earth One from Krypton, and he looked like David Bowie? No, I don't think he was even Kryptonian. I think he was just some other alien that had a beef with Kryptonians. Oh yeah, I, I do remember that. He did look like Ziggy Stardust. That is the true statement. God, that book stunk. Batman. What was the? Did I like the Batman one? That oh, was the know, one with like Alfred had a shotgun. It was like ex-military. Was, yeah, and then they did that cool thing with Harvey Bullock at the end. <laughs> <laughs> My word! I was so excited. I choked up a little bit. <laughs> Right into the mic. Jesse's right mouth into the mic. Exploded as soon as I mentioned Harvey Bullock. <laughs> he lined that. He lined his jaws up square. He's never been more dead on that microphone. <laughs> I mean, he, he probably just, blew that channel. He leaned, toast. he leaned right into it. <laughs> I'm gonna bring the mic camera right in on Jesse. He's back. Yeah, I He's thought back. the uh, Harvey Bullock. Uh, Part of the story was the most interesting part. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the fact that Bruce Wayne was so incompetent throughout his own book. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was G- that was G. Off Johns. 
right in was that. It? Yeah. Pretty sure. Dale, did you read anything besides what you talked about this week? Did you have time to read anything else? Uh, just a few of the Marvel books, which I didn't want to you know, talk about. Wolverine and the X Men 30? Like, the art was just fantastic. I love the color. What? I love the That's color. The multiple artists? Yeah. So I don't I know. I looked at the who, first page and I didn't continue reading. I, I don't technically know who drew it. Was it whether it was Pasquale Ferry or whoever he had helping him? But between the art and the colors, I just thought it was fantastic. Like I really love the clean art style. Hmm. And um, Captain America, I read all the Marvel books that I that I get digitally. Good stuff there. Yeah. You know, I got really bummed when I read that bleeding cool firmed headline that said uh a return for Wolverine and the X Men with Mark Silvestri and the Reavers. And I clicked on it thinking that Mark Silvestri was gonna do like a two issue arc on Wolverine and the X Men. No. No. What was it? Nothing. I don't even know. I got so annoyed I closed the window. <laughs> They're actually just introducing a character named Mark Silvestri who's <laughs> a new mutant. Yeah. It was some kind of, I don't know, it was like Old an image you. from Wolverine, like this week's Wolverine the X-Men, I guess. It was like a Easter egg. I don't know. I got so annoyed I closed it. You guys checking out the Superman Unchained tomorrow? I'm thinking about it. It's the, it's the maestro that? and Jim Lee. Whoa, Jim Lee on Superman? It can't be as bad as that Superman book he did with the priest. Right <laughs> you just allu- Hush. You, did you just aloofing to us right now? You didn't know that there was a Jim Lee Scott No, honestly, I honestly did. I did not aloofing to I was just for real aloof. It's, uh, now yeah, it's I'm a, interested. It's a in new it. ongoing series, allegedly, with those two. Drops tomorrow, which... Six issues when they call it a mini, when they can't continue it. It drops uh, tomorrow, which when this post will be three weeks ago. You know, Jim Lee's <laughs> not going to continue it. <laughs> that Jim, I don't know how he has time to do anything. How does he get any work done drawing these books? I'm telling Albeit, you, he draws these like super detailed sketches, and I wonder what Scott Williams does as an inker on his books. Yeah, he for, gets super detailed. Yeah, like for the, for, I'd love to see his monthly pages pencils and see like his pencils and then his buddies on inks because they've got some kind of kooky process. That I guess is a time saver. I don't know. Superman sale. What? Yeah. Superman two hundred one sale. Is that what? Exclusive. On the fire side, I'm I'm plugging it. <clears throat> <laughs> That's all yeah. I got. Good thing I just I bought Birthright and Trade because it was cheaper than <laughs> buying the digital issues. It's an expensive uh, digital comic. Yeah. Is that in the sale? Is that sale right now? Yeah. Scope that out here. Twelve bucks right now. Twelve issues, twelve bucks. Gotta buy that birthright, babe. (laughs) (laughs) What's Uh, the next book club? Oh man. Something image. You wanna go back to an image watch title? What's what's Dale's suggestion? It's usually um usually our go to. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say like a...